Some places take you away. Some bring you together. Marathon does both. Marathon is Florida's family key with something for everyone. You'll find museums and wildlife refuges, wide open beaches, miles of warm, clear water, and the historic Seven Mile Bridge. For more about Marathon and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash marathon. We've been trying to remember to be welcoming and thanking those that are listening online. It's wonderful that you're here. <clears throat> and we are continuing in our study of James. Um, we're in the fourth chapter, and I'll pick it up here in just a minute, but I want to kind of, uh, well, uh, my wife Kathy said uh, the other day about this, uh, you, ought, you ought to uh, mention that you can ask yourself questions as you go through here. How, how are you doing with these things? Uh, the statements are made, they're pretty bold and pretty hard, a lot of them. How are you doing with them? Uh, what does it mean or do you understand it? Well. Um, you know, the, the way the chapters roll out, I mean, we've heard in chapters uh, like chapter 1, uh, it was deeds and not words. I mean, that, that's just kind of a highlight. In other words, uh, we might say a lot of things, but what are we doing? And chapter 2 was to avoid social prejudices, and that's within the church. Faith and actions also in that chapter. The, how we show our faith by our actions and how our actions really show our faith. And in chapter 3, avoiding hurtful, uh, hurtful words, the study about the tongue, you know. All these things, I can see where a lot of questions come up, and I think I mentioned it a couple times about uh, what do you think? I mean, does this apply to you? Because, you know, these things really do, even though this was written... To the very first Christians in the first century, we find ourselves in the same situation with these same things over and over again, uh, generation after generation. Chapter 3 also spoke of heavenly wisdom. Then in chapter 4, we've been dealing with God's standards for the saints, uh, conduct, the conduct of Christian people. Um, raises lots of comments and lots of thinking and lots of questions for ourselves. So ask yourself questions concerning the things that James is teaching here in these particular chapters and verses as we have them laid out. Remember, this was a letter sent out, and it was the benefit of, uh, first off, the the. Uh, Brethren of James, the Jewish brethren that had accepted Christ, become Christians, obeyed the gospel, and, you know, life was difficult for them in their, in their uh, time, especially living in, in Jerusalem and other strong Jewish places. They had a lot of people that were very, very upset with their uh, accepting the words of Jesus of Nazareth. They called it the way um, and things of that sort. But it was called, as you remember, first, um, 
Christian in Antioch. And then we became Christians. The church became known as Christians, those that follow Christ, those that are in Christ. So <clears throat> we're going to pick up where we left off. The point three in our uh, outline that we submitted, which is speaking not against one another. And the word is brethren here. Brethren, speak not against one another. Does that do anything for you? Because, you know, this is not, it's not just a flippant statement. It's real. And we are motivated many times and really tempted to do just that. It's a problem. And we have to remember that this is not what we should be doing. The word brethren in the Greek is, of course, dealing with uh, those of the same womb because that's a form of brother and sister. But the, the, the greater expanse in the Greek language is of a common origin, a common origin. So when we read this, and we read brethren, and we think about our brethren today, what is our common, what would make us recognize a brother or sister in Christ? It's our common origin, right? Let's look at the Gospel of John, the first chapter, um, verses 12 and 13. The Gospel of John, the first chapter, verses 12 and 13. Here's what it says. But as many as did receive him, to them he gave authority to become sons of God, to those believing in his name. That's referring to Jesus, of course. Who, not of blood, nor of a will of flesh, nor of a will of man, but of God, were begotten. Now, this is the qualification. Those that are born out of heaven, in in the Greek would put it, out or from above, out of above, by the will of God, God's will. That's our qualifications to be a brother or sister in, in the Lord. And what are we to not do? Speak against each other. Now, this becomes a very difficult uh, situation because many times, uh, I mean, we're told to um, judge within the church specific things. But you see, that's not uh, you judging someone else. You're not sent out to go to so-and-so's home and tell them, now, we don't want you coming back because you're a sinner. Uh, you know, I'm just giving you a kind of a basic look at it. That's what it really boils down to. No, no, we don't do that. <laughs> we should never do that. Not that it hasn't been done. We're not going to do that because that would be uh, a violation. And it starts with speaking out against our brother and sister, and we don't have all the information. Let's read what it says, and then see what we think about it. 
Speak not one against another, verse 11. Brethren, he who is speaking against a brother and is judging his brother doth speak against law and doth judge law. And if law thou dost judge, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. Verse, verse 12, a qualifier to all of this. One is the lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Thou, who art thou that dost judge the other? Okay. Now, you know, um, I want to read also. Uh, let, let's look at John, the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verse 44 through 48. John 12, 44 through 48. Uh, let's find out how Jesus deals with judgment here. Now, Jesus is speaking to the Jews here. And Jesus cried and said, He who is believing in me doth not believe in me, but in him who sent me. And he who is beholding me doth not behold him who sent me. Doth behold him who sent me. Verse 46. <clears throat> I, a light to the world, have come, that everyone who is believing in me in the darkness may not remain. And if anyone may hear my sayings and not believe, I, I do not judge him. For I came not that I might judge the world, but that I might save the world. He who is rejecting me and not receiving my sayings hath one who is judging him. The word that I spake, that will judge him in the last day. Remember Jesus speaking to the Jews, and they understood the meaning of the word last day. That's the end of their covenant. Judgment would come upon them. So, here's the question. Or here's, I'm going to give you a little personal thing that, that I deal, have to deal with and have had to deal with for a long time. I feel real motivated to speak about all the bad things that are being taught in, in the church, within the church, and, and about the church. But you know what? Here's, here's the point. I could do it. But if we or anyone, myself or anybody else, spends all of our time condemning false teachers, and I don't know, is there some sort of an emotional high we get from that? It should be just the opposite. But unfortunately, it seems like it goes the other way. We could spend all of our time on the falsehood. But what would be missing in our work as preachers and teachers? We wouldn't be teaching the truth. We'd only be talking about the air. And, and the truth is always, it would be kind of presented, but maybe even out of context. You know, we're very dangerous to do that. I think it's, even though I'm motivated, um, we shouldn't do it. And it starts with speaking against one another. I already told you what qualifies. Well, I'll tell you one that really, really bothers me. 
And it's when people will, and, and when people within churches will say, well, you don't need to be baptized to be saved. Is that right? Well, they've got libraries full of books that are teaching just that. But what does it say? What did Jesus say about it in Mark 16? Mark 16, verse, uh, well, verses 12 and 13, no. Uh, verses 15 and 16. I should remember that. Mark 16. Jesus telling the apostles, this is the, I guess, the Great Commission that we find in Mark. It's a little different than in Matthew. But, and he said to them just before his ascension, Having gone to all the world, proclaim the good news to all creation, to all the creation. He who hath believed and hath been baptized shall be saved. And he who hath not believed shall be condemned. And then it goes on with speaking of things concerning the apostles in their life. Now, here's the thing about this. And I've heard all kinds of comments with this, about this scripture, that believing is the important part. Well, obviously, you're not going to be baptized. You're not going to obey the gospel and, and repent and all these things if you don't believe. Believe is the catalyst here. Believing. But Jesus added, and hath been baptized. We know what that word means. Immersed into Christ. We have illustrations of it on the day of Pentecost. Now here's the point. We could spend the rest of our lives talking about people that say just the opposite of that and preach it from a pulpit. What use would it be? Their Bible has the same verses in it. Why aren't they believing it? You know, my, my suggestion in late, lately has been if you hear this from somebody, instead of getting all fired up, write them a letter. Write them a letter respectfully and give them the, the passages and ask them to explain why they're teaching this even though the scriptures say this. Do it. See what you, if there's a response. If you hear nothing, then you'll know. That's what they want to say but it's not what the Bible says. And, and if they have a, a, another reason, they'll write you back and tell you, well, you don't understand, and they go into it. Then you'll have a little dialogue going. And that happens all the time. That's why I'm saying we need to be careful about this, and we can get all fired up on it. But who are we talking to? We need to be careful. We need to understand who we're talking to. The same way that we shouldn't assume that anyone's a brother or sister in Christ just because they've been to church. We shouldn't assume that, that a brother or sister has um, uh, done something wrong just because we've heard it or we assume it or something. We need to be very careful about this. We're not speaking against other people in mixed company where that is heard and causes great uh, problems for the people and injures others, the innocents, and all this. So it's clear. And James, of course, gives it in another word about bringing the law into it. Uh, we're not judging people. We don't judge people in that way. Uh, God will do the judging. There's one lawgiver 
And the lawgiver, of course, is also the judge. Jesus gave the words of his Father in heaven to the people. He didn't judge them if they didn't believe it, if they walked away. But he said at the end, in the uh, uh, time of the end, the end of days, the last days, as the Jews called it, there would be a reckoning for not believing God's word from heaven. And I think that's important. Only one can save and destroy. Uh, that's God himself. Only one can save or destroy. That's the Father in heaven. And that is what Jesus has is, is said of, of the Father. Uh, also, we read that in Ephesians chapter 4, the oneness. There's, there's one faith, one body, and, and, and one Lord, one baptism, one God. That's the truth of Scripture. And we know and God is, is all in all. God has, is over all, over all and in all. And he is the one that has written, had written the words that would judge those that violate, not us. Now, we're called many times to, uh, if we're called to put someone out of the, the fellowship, it's, it's a group, it's the congregation that does it, not an individual, not the preacher, not the elder or the elders, no one in particular, it's done and the first thing we do, of course, is try to restore that person back to the faith, help them out of their sin, restore them, restore them, restore them. That's the, what we do. If it cannot happen, and for the good of maybe other people in the family, they may be removed from the, the fellowship. But it's even that is to have them feel the emptiness of being removed and the desire to repent and come back. I don't want to be the judge. Uh, I don't even like judging myself very much. Uh, unfortunately, you do sometimes, um, but you put it off as long as possible, right? Well, that's, that's another subject, isn't it? We're not to violate the law, of course, because there is one lawgiver, but we're also not to violate as Christians the new commandment given by the Lord for his church. You need to write this in your Bible so if someone says, well, you're not following the Ten Commandments. But you see, those were nailed to the cross in the regulations. How about the new commandment that Jesus gave to the church? John 13, verse 34 and 35. Alex is getting his fingers exercised back there today. John 13, 34 and 35, a new commandment, Jesus said, I give to you that you love one another according as I did love you, that you also love one another. In this shall all know that you are my disciples, if you may have love for one, one to another. That's the new commandment. It has, it's, uh, it still is powerful and still in place. 
and it really should do away with all of most all of our uh, our problems amongst each other but we still have them don't we be a doer of the new commandment not the unworthy judge of it because that's what we're doing when we're judging in that way now parents need to adjudicate adjudicate things that their children do right but that the judgment we're talking about here is when you're claiming one of your brethren is 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 out of the faith let's say is a sinner and not a saint that's a dire judgment we're not talking about that with judging things of this life and we need to judge things when we're in the position of judging them we have the obligation to do it then we do it but we do it in light of the new the new commandment and if we do that we'll not be an unworthy judge of it but a worthy judge an educated judge and the thing is I want you to do is just consider this um, because I don't know about you but you know, my background is very legalistic okay and I'm the first to admit it I used to boast of it now I um, now I apologize for it but uh, it wasn't that the things that I knew are weren't true it's it's how I use them my knowledge I used more like a hammer or something to set or scissors uh, separate myself I don't know how many times I was told that we're the only folks that are saved here I can't accept that and I know better now <laughs> here the point is uh, there's always a measure of truth. There's truth to that, but you don't you don't make a comment like that. You don't know who it is. Who are you going to pick? Somebody walking down the street? No. You need to get to know folks, um, folks that around you, folks in your own congregation. Uh, you get to you need to get to know them, and you don't make those sorts of judgments and accusations James is making it very clear not only to the mind of the Jewish Christian but the mind of the Gentile uh, which we're more familiar with um, and it's very clear so that's something that we have to almost grow into I know that's what I did I grew into it as I really read the Bible studied the Bible more understood things on a just not just a black and white level but understanding that things have to be filtered through the truth of God's word in its entirety <clears throat> believe me friends we got plenty of opportunity to judge things starting right here at home in ourselves, and we move out from there when we're qualified to judge ourselves and, and the and the folks close to us then we can move out in our judgment, but it'll be done in a proper way. Now, the last section here, verse 13 through 17, is the idea of being accountable in what we say and do. And we can cover this pretty quickly. 
James 4, 13 through 17, he says, he's changing the subject here, but it kind of follows with the thinking. This is the conduct of a Christian person. The conduct. Go now, ye who are saying, today and tomorrow we will go on to such a city and will pass there one year and traffic and make gain. Who, who do not know the thing of morrow? In other words, who is it that knows the things that will happen tomorrow? For what is your life? For it is a vapor that is appearing for a little and then is vanishing. Instead of your saying, instead you should say, is what this means, if the Lord may will, you shall live and do this or that. And now you, you glory in your pride, all such glorying is evil. So, just these verses here, um, the idea here is, you know, it, it's not bad to, to say, um, and, and we should be thinking, if the Lord may will it. In other words, what does the Lord will? Um, what is his will for you that, that you should be going here to this city or the next or whatever uh, and, and live and do this and do that? Um, does it line up? I'm not going to read the last, the last verse yet. Do our plans represent the calling we have in Christ? If you want to know about your calling as a, as a Christian, read Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, read the whole chapter, really. It's a very, very, from start to the beginning, it's a whole wonderful account of Christian life and what it's supposed to be. It's a, it's a growth. As we grow in Christ and we learn in Christ. And the things that we do need to be things that Christ would approve of. Do our plans fit? The perimeters that the Apostle Paul wrote to the assembly in Ephesus. I hope they do. They need to. That's why I want you to read that. Ephesians chapter 4. Now, note this. To be in Christ is to have a kingdom consciousness. Uh, that is, you live and speak and act on a higher level than the ungodly those that are not involved with God, those that are uh, know not God. You need to be speaking, acting on a much higher level than that. Now, I think this seems reasonable to do. I, I think anybody within uh, churches and fellowships would feel that this is a reasonable idea. It's doable, as we say. But James is concerned about our boasting, about our, our statements that we're going to do this and we're going to do that. Well, you know, some people never do that, but others just can't keep from doing it. So uh, this is an issue that needs to be, it's just not a healthy way to communicate, okay? So our boasting is always, I think, inappropriate. But James is making it even clearer. He says that it's evil in God's sight. Also, for those who 
uh, as we come to the last verse, he's going to have another comment. What does he say? Considering this, to him then, knowing to do good and not doing good, then it is to him. Now, by the way, we always use the male uh, pronoun here, but you ladies are included in this, uh, just in case you're thinking that you have some technical way out of this. You don't. Because we're, we're, talking about, uh, we're talking about mankind, you know. And I won't talk about, you know, the fact that men and women, you know. You ladies are from men, so that's how it works. I know we're from women, too, you know. We're, we are all of our mothers are women, regardless of what anybody might say today. I read that somewhere. I know it. So... Nonetheless, you're not, you're not left out of this. For those who know to do good and do it not, sin it is every time it happens, every time, in every place. So let me close with this. These things here uh, that the, uh, the, the brethren... Uh, and the, and the conduct of the brethren are for all Christians of every age in, any, in every place. Now, and so says the scripture about this. This is a general statement um, from the, the, the first disciple, the first believer of the apostles' message to the very last one. We're all to live and act this way. Bad conduct's bad conduct. I don't care when it happened, what country you're from, what family you're from, or what age it is, the culture of your country, if it's bad conduct that, that is un, not pleasing to God, if it falls under those things that all these things God hates, there's two lists in the Old Testament, find out where they're at and read them. You'll be shocked to realize that all those things are still, still being done today and God still hates every one of them. Search your hearts to reason these things out. So, as, as, as we said before, ask yourself, search your own conscience, ask yourself, in light of Scripture, are these things, uh, do these things affect you? Uh, are there something that you don't worry about? Or, is there something here that you could help somebody else with? That would be a, a good move. James has them here. He's teaching them. He's writing them. So obviously the problem existed then. And who here today can tell me these problems don't exist right now? Because I think they're, they're all out there. And, and we tr need to keep them as small as, as we can, as infrequent as we can, um, because it's the kind of thing that is uh, very, very difficult for people and cause many people even to leave the faith, to walk away, and to be discouraged because they finally feel they have a reason to stay away from those folks. 
Why? Because they were judged wrongly. Or maybe they were even judged fairly, but nobody tried to help them. You see how it works? We have to think about this. Consider it. And consider it means that you will think about it. You will uh, do the things that is ple- are pleasing to God in these ways and not be, and not be uh, brought under judgment yourself for being uh, involved in evil in any way. Avoid the very appearance of evil, and that means the appearance and participating. Just don't do it. And judging people without being the judge is, is, uh, is not avoiding the appearance of evil. Just remember that. All right, those will be my comments. Next week, chapter 5, the final chapter of James, where we will deal with even more subjects matter uh, of uh, various kinds step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.